Hi there, and thanks for tuning in to the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You're about to listen to another proud presentation brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs. Stand out from the crowd. For more information, visit revengelover.com and mention the podcast for 10% off of your order. Wallop and web snappers. My spider sense is tingling. Tingling. Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Derek. And I'm Doug. And is your spider sense tingling? You know it was, but no one around here, including the newspaper, will seem to give me credit for it, so I don't know if anyone's going to even know. <laughs> to listen to this show, find us on 4eyedradio.com and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. We are still watching the Spider-Man 67 show, and actually, this is going to be our last episode for a little while, because we are right at the midpoint of the season. Um, and as usual, we usually just cover you know, roughly like 10 to 13 episodes at a time. So we're going to take a little pause uh, on this show after this episode. But until <laughs> then, we've got a lot of really cool uh, stuff to talk about with this episode. And as usual, we've got a guest. This time, our guest is the host of another Spider-Man show, which I think as of now is the first time we've had a guest from like another spider, a rival Spider-Man podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> a host of that 90s Spider-Man show and the creator of the no context Spider-Man Twitter, which is very funny by the way, Jack. Hi guys. How's it going? Good. Good. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm about okay. I've got my coffee, so things are on track <laughs> to be awake at some point. At some point. cool well we always asked all of our guests uh right off the bat just generally what is your background with spider-man and then from there you know your background with this particular spider-man cartoon as well well uh spider-man um i was always into spider-man as a kid but the the thing is in the in the uk it was always at least in my town it was always hard to get comics at all Mm -hmm. so we get a lot of reprints so I was always like five years behind with stuff until a comic shop opened uh, when I was in my teens. And that's when I started getting into it more. And then when I started our podcast about two years ago, I got a Marvel Unlimited account and started going a little crazy with it, uh, <laughs> which is yes. uh, par- partly what led to um, No Contact Spider-Man because uh, I pretty much... At this point, I'm very, very, very close to reading every Spider-Man comic in the 20th century. Dang! Which, wow. <laughs> which, um, because I, I, I did a bunch of research, so I've got like a huge list, and now I'm going through the stuff that isn't on Marvel Unlimited. Uh-huh. Um, a lot of like miniseries from the 90s that they want you to forget about. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so uh, I. You know, I, I've been heavy into the comics the last couple of years. I, I guess I had a pause because maybe I, I became like a an adult and I was like, I don't have money for comics anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I've been into that. And then as well with, uh, uh, with, with Spider-Man 67 specifically, 
I've actually only watched maybe one other episode other than the one we're covering today. So I, I, I'm familiar, but like uh, growing up, I used to watch like old VHS tapes of the, uh, I believe it's 81 show. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was the one I grew up with. I specifically remember like the, the Doctor Doom and the Lizard one from that. <laughs> and um, uh, and then obviously the uh, 94 show, which my podcast is about. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Your comics adventure is putting mine to shame uh, <laughs> by a long shot. <laughs> I'm like, well, oh, just I, casually like 50 issues in, period. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I... I wouldn't recommend it for your sanity, but <laughs> it, it it does help to have a lot of uh, insane, obscure screenshots for No Contact Spider-Man, especially when most of the replies we get on Twitter will be people saying, what issue is this? Which yeah. uh, my first answer is always, is No Contact Spider-Man? <laughs> um, so No Contact for you. But the other answer is a lot of the time, I don't know. I took this screenshot like uh, seven months ago, and I've read a bunch of issues since then, so I don't know. <laughs> Fantastic! Yeah, it's so good. Do you have like a specific sort of? You said this. You're dipping into the stuff that's not on Marvel Unlimited. Is are there any particular gems that you're glad that you sought out from that? Oof. Um, I mean, I suppose I'm trying to think. I one thing. Um, I've actually like been surprised by how much I've liked the Venom min- miniseries in the nineties. Mm. Yeah, so okay. I've never been a huge Venom guy, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some of his solo stuff has been good, and uh, I will say that a lot of the stuff that isn't on um, Marvel Unlimited isn't that great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but there there are some strange things here and there, like the versus Wolverine oh. comic, which involves a very strange moment where like uh someone <laughs> this is very dark someone um effectively <laughs> uh commits suicide by tricking spider-man into uh punching them what what <laughs> it's very she like sneaks up on him and he punches her and she dies and then wolverine's oh. like no that's they did that on purpose and then they <laughs> and then they just kind of move on. Um, oh my. Yeah. Oh. It gets pretty messy. I was going to say like as if Peter Parker didn't have enough guilt already, but yeah. it sounds like that's not even a factor. So okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I I think I I think the thing with um with a lot of the stuff that they haven't included is because it is it's so messy. It gets very messy around the late 80s and 90s. Um mm-hmm. yeah. I'm still confused about uh, the Hobgoblin stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I, uh, I know that um, that that's another reason why. Like um, on our show, we uh, do bonus episodes called Weird Law Bullshit Corner, where <laughs> I I pick like something, a character or event from the comics that is like strange or weird, and uh, Henry, my co-host, doesn't uh, read any comics. So even the most basic comic stuff is always absurd to him. <laughs> um, and then I'll pick something weird like, you know, the kangaroo or the gibbon or something like that and uh, <laughs> go into that. But there's just an endless amount of stuff you find that way. Um, yeah. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, so uh, I, I mean, Marvel Unlimited is the place to go. I mean, it does have some missing issues on some like really good stuff. Like, there's a bunch mm-hmm. of spectacular Spider-Man stuff that's really good. Um, mm-hmm. In the '90s, like a lot of the Harry Osborn Green Goblin stuff isn't actually okay. on Marvel Unlimited, or at least wasn't when I was reading that part. Mm-hmm. Weird. So it, it is like uh, it's not as comprehensive as you hope it would be. But then, I mean, it's still pretty pretty sweet deal so yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nice. it's it's always so funny like I, I feel like we're all kind of in a similar position because i feel like all of us have recently it, you know in the past like few years been sort of revisiting like old comics that we weren't re- you know we weren't reading regularly at the time um and it, it is always funny to sort of see like what is our sort of reaction and response to those things reading them now mm. like out of the context of the time and not being like in it, like not growing up with it and not being like in it issue to issue and like kind of comparing like (laughs) how we feel about it now versus, you know, maybe what the conversations were at the time. And it's like, it always fluctuates between like, Oh, actually, yeah, this is really good. This holds up. Maybe this is better than people thought it was, (laughs) thought it was, or like the opposite end of it where it's just like, this is fucking awful. (laughs) I will say the hardest part of my read through the, Spider-Man comics was the 90s, uh, not just because of the infamous Clone Saga, but mm-hmm. because of, um, there's something about the art uh, where I'm not a fan anyway of um, yeah. that the kind of popular art of the time, you know, the Rob Liefeld and the Mm-hmm. and that kind of thing but um also there's um th- for some reason they they take the opposite approach of i guess uh like stanley steve ditko where every panel is very thin very long and like 90 <laughs> percent speech bubble you know there's no yeah. there's n- yeah. nothing is succinct everything is an essay and it's just so hard to read <laughs> oh man yeah i remember us like like when we've read like tw- the 2099 comics for like our bonus episodes from the 90s and it's just like these are just some of the most unpleasant comics to look at <laughs> i've ever seen oh yeah i i went through 2099 um last year actually uh did you guys ever touch on i think it was called 2099 world of tomorrow or something i have i don't think so no i think so i was reading 2099 through marvel unlimited and it just sort of stops at a certain point and yeah i don't know maybe they finally filled it out or whatever but i i pretty much just paused when they got there and kind of uh as a result the stuff that was happening right before that pause kind of gets muddy so i don't know if that's included in there or not but no I, I, <laughs> yeah, we never I, talked about it at least well yeah. uh, i wouldn't recommend it <laughs> um, <laughs> because they i i think they got it was kind of like what happened with the ultimate universe where they realized it was coming to an end so they did an event uh, to wrap it all up oh. and the way they wrapped up the spider-man 2099 stuff was pretty terrible there's one panel where they like it's the most condensed retconning i've ever seen <laughs> where all, <laughs> there were like loads of plot threads left hanging uh, at the end of the spider-man night uh 2099 run and they like just wiped it all away in one panel of like saying like oh it turns out that guy uh wasn't actually this person it was just mind oh, control geez. and also this person oh, faked their death in like one <laughs> speech bubble and i was like okay okay 
<laughs> it's a lot of telling. Yeah. Not very much showing. <laughs> That's the thing where it's like, I love comics, but comics are fucking stupid. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes in the best way. Sometimes yeah. in the worst way. <laughs> exactly. <Absolutely>. Exactly. <laughs> oh, man. This show has a little bit of that, too. It's often It's often very dumb, but often it's delightfully dumb in a way that I love so much. So... Let's get to it. Um, we are talking about Spider-Man 67. Uh, as always, if you want to watch along with us, you can't find it streaming anywhere. Uh, you can try to find the very expensive DVD set or you can just, you know, find it illegally online. Whatever you do, you. I won't narc on you. Uh, <laughs> the episode we're talking about is uh, season one, episode 10. The first segment is called The Revenge of Dr. Magneto. <laughs> Magneto, important Magneto. distinction. <laughs> what a distinction! What a distinction! The synopsis for per me is fucking magnets. How do they work? Nice. <laughs> this episode won't explain it. The original air date is November eleventh, nineteen sixty-seven. Yes, and the character introduced here is the aforementioned Doctor Magneto, who is not Magneto. Uh, as we would uh, envision it by the name. And Dr. Magneto is voiced in this episode. Uh, I don't know why I said it that way. He does not return, as far as I know, by <laughs> Bernard Cowan, who's one of the main cast members of the show. There's like that core four. Um, he's the one who is credited often as the narrator. Uh, he also was the voice of the Plutonian leader in the episode where the Plutonians uh take a pit stop here on earth <laughs> i also saw that in um if imdb is to be believed apparently he voices the mandarin in the iron man cartoon and odin in the full cartoon from the 60s oh. there i wouldn't be surprised a lot of the folks that voice characters on this show voiced characters for the marvel superheroes um sort of like animated comic or whatever that that is mm. um and then whatever the the marvel superhero shows were of the era it's all like one large sort of uh intermingled group yeah now i just have a question for you doug from from what you've seen on imdb because we've credited this guy as the narrator as like one of the main cast members but we haven't heard a narrator like halfway through this first season yeah. we've never heard a narrator yeah Did i don't you, know do you when notice, he narrates like, <laughs> yeah maybe i assume that's a later season thing it's just funny because yeah. i was like you know, figuring what happened at some point, but not well, yet. <laughs> it's the, the, I mean, the challenge is none of these people are, I mean, these people are all just credited for their characters, not necessarily episode to episode. Like the IMDB yeah. for episode to episode on this show is like, it doesn't really change. It just says like, here are the four people who do voices. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, so I, I, I haven't looked into when the narration starts, but uh, I don't know if it's ever going to be like, all right. Here is narrator the character. Yeah. You know what I mean? We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I to be quite honest, I I for this show I haven't used IMD very be very much because it's not very helpful. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. <laughs> All right, so this episode, here's what happens in this episode. So this segment uh, opens with Spider-Man helping to prevent a ship from crashing into the rocks after a scorned scientist named Dr. Magneto uses a magnet gun to disable a nearby lighthouse, uh, which is funny because Spider-Man's just like chilling on a lighthouse and says like, <laughs> well, I guess I'll just watch and make sure nothing happens to this ship. I was yeah, I right. was going to say, do a lot of these episodes just start with Spider-Man in a random location like this? Uh, we did recently talk about one where he just happens to be on an army train hoping nothing will happen to what they're carrying. So, like, it's not out of character for the show. <laughs> yeah. 
This, but at least that one, like, he specifically went there because he knew the train was carrying a dangerous weapon or whatever. Yeah. Like, this one, it's just chilling out on top of a lighthouse. I guess he just wanted some downtime at the beach, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Though, I feel like sitting on a lighthouse, like, during a thunderstorm is probably a terrible idea, but... Uh. <laughs> you do you, Spider-Man. <laughs> I'm glad you're just watching the ship struggle. Right. So, the next day, Jameson questions Spider-Man's heroism, no surprise, and also the likelihood that Dr. Magneto could even exist, because he says that much concentration of magnetic energy isn't even possible. Uh, Jameson the scientist says this couldn't be true. So as a result of this, uh, as a result of Jameson not taking it seriously, Dr. Magneto ends up pissed that his feet uh, was not featured on the front page of the Daily Bugle, but the last page, and that his magnetic powers aren't even mentioned. So he ends up attacking a railroad track to sort of like try to make his power known again, but Spider-Man shows up just in time to save the train. Again, JJ questions the situation and this time credits Spider-Man with a railroad attack, which of course pisses off Dr. Magneto further. So again, angry that he's not getting proper credit, Dr. Magneto sends a letter to the Bugle laying out his next attack. He's going to drop a Prometheus statue from the Empire State Building, which... I mean, like, it's dangerous, but it it does seem that people are only concerned with damage to the statue, right? (laughs) People are just mad that he's going to break the statue. Yeah, but I I guess because, like, since he did alert them to it, like, everyone will get out of the way. So, like, there's a low chance that anyone will get hurt. (laughs) It is more just, like, annoying that he's causing this property damage. I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Spidey again arrives in time to prevent any serious damage, and Dr. Magneto swears revenge. So Peter earlier in the episode was like, that name sounds very familiar. So he ends up looking it up and he learns that the villain was a Science Hall of Fame nominee, uh, which Dr. Magneto did mention earlier in the episode. So Spider-Man heads to the Hall of Fame looking for clues and is promptly confronted by Dr. Magneto, uh, who is planning to take the entire Hall of Fame and drop it into the bay. So they briefly clash um, and uh, Spider-Man... Reveals that he worked on his own sort of new stuff or his own gadgetry uh, in anti-magnetic webbing. He uses it to break Dr. Magneto's magnet gun and sticks Dr. Magneto to a Hall of Fame pedestal with a placard describing the greatest misguided use of science. So it ends <laughs> with Jameson trying to figure out where to post the story to ensure that no one will read it. And Betty suggesting he put it in the personal section, uh, claiming to have nothing to do with any of Spider-Man's good deeds. Cool. Yep. <laughs> yep. And, then, and then you've got the, uh, of course, you've got the bust that Spider-Man makes for JJ. It seems like a lot of time, money, and effort to put into just like for one little prank on Jameson. But all right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Jack, how about this first segment? <laughs> what do you think? I've got to say, style-wise, I'm I'm into Dr. Magneto. Like, at first, I, you know, you kind of look at him and you're comparing him, obviously, to Magneto and thinking, wow, this guy is a guy wearing a suit and he's just put a cape on top of it. Yeah, <laughs> but he's a guy in a brown suit wearing a pink cape. Like, yeah. that's, his, that's his villain costume. But after a while, it's kind of, the, the cape kind of almost becomes like this stylish scarf. <laughs> And yeah. he, and I'm like, this guy kind of looks dapper. Uh, <laughs> and of course, we got to mention the uh, excellent, uh, huge mustache and eyebrows 
Uh, oh. Love those bushy eyebrows. Yeah. They are out of control. Uh, just chef's kiss. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah, so uh I mean he's not he's not very intimidating, especially since his um his schemes uh actually get like smaller um as the episode <laughs> goes on. <laughs> That's so true. It's a it's a really interest like it's sort of this really sort of subtly interesting episode in how Spider-Man handles Dr. Magneto. Like he recognizes that this dude isn't really like the worst of the worst supervillains. So like for the most part, his motivation is less to just stop him. It's more like trying to convince him to use his powers for good, you know, like trying to meet scientist to scientist, mm. which we've I don't we've never seen before on this show. Usually the show's pretty straightforwardly like the villain's a supervillain, and he's they're evil, and Spider-Man's got to stop them. Yeah. So, like, it's 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 a really interesting choice for the show to sort of recognize that Doctor Magneto, like, he's not a bad dude. He's just like a weird, angry guy. <laughs> <laughs> he's just mad that no one recognizes his contribution to science and villainy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's funny because he's still not like a tragic villain. Because it's like I don't really feel sorry for him for not getting recognized. Because I don't know, like. You just made a magnet. Like, I, I don't I don't know really. I mean, eventually, it was pretty cool that you can literally magnetize anything. I don't feel like that's in any way scientifically accurate, but, like, that's a big deal. But up until that point, I don't know, we just made a strong magnet. Like, maybe that's why you haven't been recognized, dude. Like, <laughs> that really seems like a big deal. <laughs> maybe, maybe he wasn't recognized because he didn't have any application for this. Because if you come in, yeah. like you said, and you're like, okay, I've strapped this magnet to a pistol... <laughs> And then, and I'm just gonna magnetize everything in this room. Someone give me a Nobel Prize. <laughs> I yeah. think I think you've got to like show how this is gonna help society in some way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's kind of a weird mixture of obviously like Magneto to a degree, but a very small one. But also villains, sort of akin to like an Adrian Toomes, who are just sort of constantly stolen from or not credited or mm, yeah. like who don't feel like they're getting their due you know yeah um it's it's definitely one of the original villains for this show that takes seems to take inspiration from a lot of different actual spider-man rogues gallery uh members it's a good point i also uh, as a side note his first name is matto um <laughs> and uh i i did a little google because i thought i wanted to come on this podcast and say that's not a name and then i thought well maybe it is a name and i looked it up and it really doesn't seem to be a name but um on a names.org according to one user from russia the name matto means crazy lunatic or madman oh i mean so kind of accurate but um that's according to one anonymous user on a website i've never used before so who knows (laughs) is there a username spider-man 67 fan (laughs) (laughs) another question another question i had about this uh because it's been a long time since i've seen uh any of the 67 cartoon is uh spider-man's webs always this overpowered (laughs) oh yeah 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 i mean they do they show peter working on his webbing quite a lot um so at least they acknowledge the fact that it's not just like one type of webbing but even when it is just quote standard webbing Mm. it's it's it it's basically like prehensile like he can Mm. he can just like control it and make it do whatever he wants which is often funny 
Uh, but sometimes it's just sort of like, that looks silly. <laughs> so you kind of get some good with some bad when it comes to his overpowered webbing. <laughs> there's a, um, it reminds me of, um, there's a, a comic storyline where Spider-Man becomes Cosmic Spider-Man with mm-hmm. the uh, Enigma Force. And he gets full <laughs> control over his webs and he can turn them into like giant hands and things like that and Ooh. it's actually very similar to what happens in this show just <laughs> anyway <laughs> that's amazing yeah that's fantastic because what does he do he makes it like uh he literally makes them like train tracks like yeah. he just puts it down and then a train can run over them he doesn't even make like a foundation for them there's like an entire hole in the train <laughs> tracks and he just has this sort of loose webbing and the train's fine over it so so pretty amazing yeah yeah if all of the the cinematic peter parkers just took a couple notes from this one all of the train scenes would be far less dramatic <laughs> yeah as soon as i saw uh, i saw the train tracks it did make me think of spider-man 2 yep yep uh, I, so. what i love about that bit though is that uh you know there's literally a giant gaping hole blasted into the train tracks and like spidey sees it and is like oh it, it looks like there might be something wrong with that track <laughs> what do you think dude <laughs> i like that uh that environment like i i uh we've seen lots of of train stuff with regards to spider-man which makes sense because it's new york i thought it was kind of neat that this was like a train track on i don't know what to call them other than just a risers like a risen train track or whatever uh, next to like Yankee Stadium. No idea if there is a train track next to Yankee Stadium, but it was it was kind of neat because so much of the environment on the show could be literally anywhere. Yeah. Um, and that was like distinctly New York. Yeah. Who do we think is in the Science Hall of Fame in this universe? Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> that Dr. Magneto is competing with. Who beat him <laughs> out this year for a place in the Science Hall of Fame? And were they alive? Is he expecting too much by uh, trying to be in it while still alive? <laughs> yeah because it probably was just like einstein <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I think the uh the, the science hall of fame surely like that's that's the peak right uh, yeah. in terms of recognition you don't start there so maybe that was yeah. the problem <laughs> is that he was expecting yeah. to be inducted alongside you know einstein and some really important people straight away <laughs> yeah and i yeah. think especially notable that peter parker science student didn't remember his name off the top of his head so not a good it's a pretty big reach there Matto. <laughs> and it's a pretty i mean and a, a, a memorable name too like you don't forget <laughs> that ghetto unless they are so like aggressively average that like your brain just erases it from your from your, from your memory yeah <laughs> i guess he did like prove that like magnetism can melt steel beams in this episode so that's uh good to know <laughs> yeah um yeah i i i i i wish they had done more jack you kind of alluded to this a little bit but like i wish they had done more with the magnetizing of items as opposed to just like magnet gun because uh, that to me was far more interesting like the things you might be able to do with that it is total nonsense like like you said Derek like I don't know what that even necessarily means but I feel like there's implications that could have been fun it's only really in the fight um, near the end of the episode that he starts like um, using the powers as you'd expect like wrapping him up in the uh, railing and things like that mm-hmm. and you get that for a hot minute and then it's, uh, it's back to just this magnetism will just explode anything it touches <laughs> yeah yeah and yeah. if you think about it if he's able to magnetize or demagnetize anything i think he can do both right mm-hmm. um 
he actually would be the perfect person to counter Magneto proper because he could basically effectively like nerf Magneto with his Magneto demagnetization gun. Well, he says <laughs> he says reverse magnetism specifically. I don't know if that means the same as demagnetize. Ah. <laughs> oh, just the different polarities. That would make sense. Yeah, I guess like yeah, it makes it repel instead of. But I mean, still, you know, that that still could be pretty OP if he, you know, used it at all. Like, Look, I, I just want to see Magneto v Magneto. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I think all. it would be epic. <laughs> what fans have been clamoring for yeah. for decades, clearly. The number of letters they've gotten has um. Do, do you know if Magneto proper shows up in this show at all? Uh, my understanding, and I'll, I, I've said it before, and I'll, so I'll eat my words if I turn out to be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that there are no other like Marvel characters that aren't Spider-Man characters explicitly. Right. Um, like They didn't really do crossovers or anything, and I'm mm. not sure if that was a mandate or if the writers decided that. Um, well, it's different, and it's different production people each season, which makes me think that maybe it was like a licensing thing, like mm. maybe they only had the rights to Spider-Man characters at the time or something. So yeah, I'm pretty. Which maybe is is why this episode happened. Maybe they wanted to do Magneto, and then realized, like we're told by Marvel or whoever, that they can't. But they were like, "Well, what what if we call him Magneto? Is that okay?" And then, <laughs> it know. does. It does kind of seem like um, they've they've got one day to finish this script, and someone tells them they can't do Magneto. And they're yeah. like, okay, yeah. quick, come up with someone who is like Magneto, but not Magneto. Right. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like the type of thing they might have gotten an order on, and th- but didn't ask permission necessarily about whether Magneto was different enough. It was just like, well, well we're, not, we're not using him, right? <laughs> exactly. It's not him, right? <laughs> and then he never comes back, so. <laughs> Magneto proper does appear in Amazing Friends, though. Uh, so we do get we do get some old school cartoon action with Magneto and, and Spider-Man just, you know, a couple decades later. Yeah. <laughs> well, any other any other thoughts on the this episode, whether it be the actual story of it or any of the animation stuff or anything like that or on this segment, rather? I will say that I, I love that the conclusion to both the jj side of things and the dr magneto's side of things is just spider-man pranking them (laughs) (laughs) Yep, (laughs) which feels like a very um i mean i my my favorite kind of spider-man is uh disrespectful spider-man so (laughs) so it's uh, it's always fun to see him just you know humiliate someone (laughs) who is uh being a jerk (laughs) yeah 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 the only other spare notes i had uh Oh, yeah, the other webbing thing. That's the other woman I was forgetting is using, like, turning them into a spring to, like, catch the statue. I forgot that that's how he does it, which is, like, so unnecessary. But I love that he makes, like, a spring out of it to bounce it back up. Um, and also, I think I like that the sea captain kind of looks like Captain Haddock from Tintin. <laughs> that was a fun choice. <laughs> he really does. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Um, but, yeah, that's all I, that's all I got. Um I do have one fun production thing from the the Spider-Man 67 book that we reference all the time uh, while we're doing these episodes. Sometimes they'll put storyboards in that book. And this isn't particularly interesting. I just love that in in a storyboard for this episode, it's unlike any other time I've ever seen Betty drawn in any other storyboards that are in that book. For whatever reason, in the storyboard for this episode, they just draw her with like a really amazing beehive, like full on 60s beehive hairstyle. 
And it's great. I don't know why they did it, but I love it. And I love that they draw her with that beehive. Also with just a huge scowl on her face, Jameson, which is also very off point. <laughs> I was going to say, I love her expression. And I love it just as like, Betty, disgusted. I'm like, yep. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, faces of the episode... It's just, it's just, it's just Magneto. I really love, I love this guy's look. I love his look so much. <laughs> I love everything about it. Every face that he makes is great. His whole design is great. Um, but then there's a few shots that are just like so on point. There's a close up where they just like age him like 30 extra years for some reason. Just add wrinkles all over the place when he's like laughing at whatever. And it just accentuates everything about him. It's just love it. Uh, and then there's another point where he just spontaneously grows sharp teeth for a scene. Yeah. <laughs> Razor sharp teeth. <laughs> yeah, what's that, dude? <laughs> I don't know. But then the first time, I think they appear like maybe two times in the episode, but then disappear. Um, the first time they appear, they grow while he's angry. So it's like, oh, is this some kind of like stylistic choice to show these <laughs> like how how angry, how like this fury is turning him to a monster? But the first thing that he does when he grows these razor sharp teeth is write a strongly worded letter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, so. that, that's the that, that's the thing. Um, uh, despite all the power he has. All he wants is clout. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's, it's just, uh, he's just mad that he doesn't have like a huge Twitter following at this point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> totally. He's, he's one of those dudes who would be like adding celebrities and just being like, please RT me for my birthday, please. Uh-huh. <laughs> He'd have a lot of like follow for follow, promote for promote uh, yep. messages. <laughs> just really trying to build it up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Beautiful. Does anybody read the newspaper from the back page? Is that a thing? Has anyone ever done that? Well, I don't. I don't know about the uh, in like North America, but like back page in the UK usually means sports. Oh, so definitely. Oh, yeah, <laughs> so, sense. so, so that's my dad. <laughs> my dad would see <laughs> okay. the Doctor Magneto article. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, okay, that's good context. Um, but I don't. <laughs> Because because it it means if the Daily Bugle were distributed in the UK, then everybody would have seen that story, yeah. <laughs> um, or at least all the sports fans would have. But I I I that was such a wild thing that he said that I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what was on the back page uh, over here at the time, but that was such a strange thing for him to say. <laughs> Some people start from the back. Okay. <laughs> like, all right. All <laughs> Never right, heard buddy. that before. <laughs> I guess they're more. You you are no matter where you are, you're more likely to start from the back, front or back, than you are just to open to a random page in the middle. I guess. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Hello, amazing friends. We just wanted to take a quick moment to thank our spectacular enough patrons, Bo, Eric, Steve. Carl, Katie, Mike, and Lillian. If you would like to support our show too, our way of saying thanks is by giving you lots of cool Spidey goodies. You'll have early access to all our episodes, including our AMAs, where we answer your burning questions about anything and everything. And we mean everything. If you join us at our $5 spectacular level, you get to hear us let loose and talk about wackier stuff in our After Dark commentaries or our movie commentaries, where we watch every single Spidey-related theatrical film from the Raimi films to Amazing Spider-Man to Spider-Verse, Venom, Avengers Endgame, and more. And at our amazing tier, we'll invite you to be a guest on our show. That's right, you. 
You all make our show better, whether it's by sending us Word Snappers words, making us fan art, joining our Discord community, or just listening to us every week. This is our way of saying thank you for supporting this show and inspiring us to dip into media even we didn't realize was on our radar. Whatever tier you opt into, thank you so much. Whether you're an avid listener or just stopping by, we appreciate you. From your friendly neighborhood podcasters, thank you. Well, let's get, let's get into the second segment, because uh, there's more fun stuff to be had here. Uh, this is the second segment of Season 1, Episode 10, entitled The Sinister Prime Minister. The synopsis per me is Spider-Man gets involved in an international incident that threatens to start a war. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, this is some dangerous stuff. I think um, regardless of his reasoning for doing anything in this uh, segment... Um, I think this does count as terrorism. (laughs) 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 I don't think you're wrong. And I will say before we even get into it, I was worried that we were getting into that type of territory by the end, uh, because there is a bit of ambiguity at certain points during this episode that really could have backfired. And we also, Um, uh, this uh, segment answers the age old question, who would win Spider-Man or a dog? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I think Jack just beat you, Derek, for a synopsis for this episode. This is the most straightforward synopsis you've written. Uh, And I think he just he just uh, he just gave you a better one. (laughs) It's a much better one. Yep. (laughs) Well, characters highlighted in this uh, this episode, I guess technically the prime minister, but but also Charles Cameo, uh, which will make sense uh, as we get to what the content of this episode is. But Charles Cameo is a character voiced by Carl Bannis, uh, who we talked about in episode 104 as the scorpion in this very show. So this episode, or this segment, I'm, we're, we've done this show so many times, and I make that mistake constantly. This segment of this episode <laughs> opens with Spider-Man discovering a man impersonating the captured Prime Minister of Rutania, when he uses his abilities in an attempt to get photos. Again, kind of a funny situation for for Spider-Man to end up discovering a plot. Uh, he's he's really just there as a photographer trying to get photos like as part of a paparazzi. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. literally breaking into, uh, <laughs> I, I guess, yeah, foreign soil, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah, like the embassy, I think, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's such a bizarrely like tabloid thing to do. It's just like, we got to get pictures. I've got to sneak into this guy's private suite and take pictures <laughs> of him, what, undressing? And it's like, like, what are you doing, dude? <laughs> oh, off to a great start, Peter. Uh, oh, boy. Uh, so, so, I mean, he does end up doing exactly that, right? Like, he pretty much breaks into this embassy of Britannia. Um, but, but. But the the impersonator discovers him because he just sort of like jumps in through the window, knocks him out with some sort of gas. And when Spider-Man comes to, his camera is missing and there's only one prime minister in the room. Whereas when he broke in, there was two, right? There was the one standing around and the one that was tied up um, and sort of captured. And the prime minister that's present threatens Spider-Man with an international incident, uh, calls his security, obviously, and Spider-Man just as obviously thwips off, vowing to expose the fake prime minister. So here's where I say, like, I was getting worried because I was like, this is a setup that could result in, like, there being a misunderstanding because, like, the other prime minister wasn't there when he woke up. So I was like, I don't know where this is going to go because it could end up being... Spider-Man finally in the wrong instead of framed, but uh, spoiler, <laughs> this episode is more predictable than I was <laughs> I was suspecting it could be. So yep. 
Later, the Prime Minister of Britannia uh, arrives at the Daily Bugle, of course, to ask Jameson for help financially supporting his country in exchange for fame and glory. And when Jameson hears fame and glory, he agrees to share the Prime Minister's story through the Daily Bugle. That evening, Spider-Man investigates the Rutanian embassy and clashes with the Prime Minister, who's equipped with a weaponized cane, very similar to what you would expect from, like, Penguin's umbrella, essentially. Hmm. Uh, when security arrives to investigate the commotion, Spidey dips again, um, and at the bugle, Jameson learns of Spider-Man's interference uh, this time and assures the Prime Minister he won't be further trouble. But of course, Spider-Man is further trouble. So Spider-Man attempts to intercept an armored truck delivering gold for Rutania, organized by J. Jonah Jameson, but he fails to actually stop it or really make any sort of progress with the uh, armored truck. So he heads to the airport where the truck is set to uh, deliver that gold to an airplane, which I guess presumably will then go to Rutania. So he hitches a ride on the plane carrying the gold and he clashes with the prime minister of Rutania a third time. This time, Spider-Man prevails and reveals the Prime Minister to be an actor by the name of Charles Cameo, uh, who is keeping the real Prime Minister of Rutania restrained nearby in a trunk, just on the plane with with all the gold. (laughs) (laughs) And the episode ends with an angry Jameson lamenting the fact that if it weren't for that Spider-Man, I'd be immortalized in marble uh, and discovering a bust of himself engraved and delivered by, you guessed it, the one and only (laughs) Spider-Man. Yep. Yeah, it's only now that I'm realizing I mentioned the bust earlier, and that's in this episode. But it makes just about just about as much sense as in either episode. I think. Yeah, I I totally didn't even that didn't click with me either. I was just like, yeah, that's the one with the bust, right? Because that episode had statues in it and stuff, so it all checks out. But yeah, it's it's this this show like doesn't like it either goes a really long way to make a joke or it doesn't go nearly far enough. And in this case, there's, like, one throwaway line of the Prime Minister mentioning, like, statues of J. Jonah to Jameson and children, like, praising his name and all this sort of stuff. And, like, this is the joke they got out of it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, like, I didn't even remember he made that comment when the bus showed up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think um, th- this does remind me. <laughs> this, this is only slightly relevant. Uh, but um, this does remind me of a great Spider-Man issue, which again turned up on this frame did turn up on No Contact Spider-Man. But um, <laughs> Mendel Strom, the Robot Master, mm-hmm. com- comes back to life and has a secret base beneath his own tombstone. And um, <laughs> at the end of the issue, he uh, explodes or something, and um, <laughs> Spider-Man writes with his webbing on the tombstone, "Died again." <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. my god and I, I it makes me laugh so much thinking about it that <laughs> is it's, the best it's got that kind of energy to it though just like at the end of the day like this very serious incident has happened let's just end on a joke let's just like show that yeah. <laughs> none of this is important to spider-man <laughs> Yeah, he's like he's such a like a little stinker. Like he's like a, he's like Bugs Bunny yeah. <laughs> after again a terrorist like incident just happened. <laughs> All right, and his his joke is at the expense of the guy who doesn't know that there's like a plot who was actually for for the wrong reason still raising twenty million dollars for a country plagued by poverty. That's sure. who he's playing a joke on. <laughs> it's like, haha, you didn't get to help this impoverished country and get yeah, fame and glory absolutely is not jameson at his worst and theoretically no. theoretically like the prime minister was going over to the u.s for that same reason it was just you know the 
the guy in right. right? Am I wrong about that? The 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 like cameo impersonating him, it the whole plot was that they were gonna do the same thing, but with more money and that he was gonna take for himself. But mm. theoretically, Jameson could still give a loan <laughs> to that <laughs> impoverished country and be celebrated if he really wanted to. Yeah, I, I did get like I I I I'm not a hundred percent sure on this, but I did kind of get the vibe that like it was meant to be the it's meant to be a bad idea to loan money to other countries in this episode. Oh boy. Like, you know, <laughs> oh, like no. I they didn't lean super hard into it, but I feel yeah. like the episode makes a bit more sense if the idea is like, well, the US should not be like helping out other countries is kind of Spider-Man's <laughs> position. <laughs> yeah, I mean like you could, I I think you could you could certainly pull that out of here based on all of the circumstances surrounding that that donation or whatever, that contribution, right? Because the people who are who are facilitating it are explicitly the villain and somebody who's sort of our constant antagonist outside of supervillains. Mm. And the one who stops it is Spider-Man. So like if you sort of break it down, like, yeah, <laughs> I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> so <Oof>. weird. <laughs> yeah. Big oof. You know, maybe don't tackle these types of things in 11 minute episodes. <laughs> it's gonna, not going to turn out with a good luck at the end. <laughs> No, I can't decide. I think probably because this episode, I was surprised it was over when it did, like when it was. It felt really short, even though it was just as long as the last one. I can't decide, though, like, is this is this generally a well-done episode for this show? Or is this a generally well-done Or am I just, like, too entrenched in this show? Oh, I mean, yeah, like the, there's a, there's a really particular curve that this show is on and where like most episodes are incomprehensible to a certain extent. So it's like your level of enjoyment with the incomprehensibility. I feel like this is one of the most comprehensible episodes, which sounds like <laughs> such like faint praise, but like it's not because it's like they it doesn't have to make se- the show has proven that it can make absolutely no goddamn sense and still be a joy. Mm. So the fact that like they sort of made what what I what I see like the kernel of an interesting sort of political situation that they wanted to write around, like they sort of did put some thought into, even if again it ends up kind of landing with a thud in certain regards. Like I think it's actually a well structured plot, like and it's a I feel like a little less predictable than most of these episodes usually are. Here's a question: Has the chameleon shown up in this show at this point? I was- just gonna ask why isn't this does. the chameleon it's yeah he never does strange. show up it this is like the same situation there was an episode we covered a couple of weeks ago where there's like a, a dude who's clearly meant to just stand in for craven except he's like a boring version of craven that isn't craven yeah. and craven himself never shows up and this is the exact same situation with uh with chameleon and i have no idea why they i guess the the, the creators of the show just weren't interested in those villains and wanted to make their own versions of them but yeah the it's, most boring versions of them i don't know it's very it's very weird especially since like is a lot in the early comics uh, um they lean into the fact that chameleon is a russian agent mm-hmm. so it would make sense that maybe they could have even like I, it would have made sense for the show i guess to make him from rutania or something but yeah. um but yeah it's, it's a guy called Charles Cameo who I'm assuming this is his first and only appearance in anything 
I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> it's definitely his first appearance. Uh, he does not appear in the comics at this point, uh, and I'm sure never does. Because his name yeah. is even similar to Chameleon. Like, it, right. it feels just as much like the Magneto-Magneto thing, except in this case, it's one of Spider-Man's own villains. So mm. it's, like, doubly confusing. Yeah. And he's, uh, did they say he's an actor? Yeah, there was, like, uh, I think it was the pilot was like, wait, that's the actor, Charles Cameo. So this is, like... <laughs> a recognizable guy that decided to hmm. try to steal twenty million dollars. It's like <laughs> it's guess. like uh you know, like if Daniel Day Lewis did this. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I mean you picked the one guy who probably could pull it off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so funny. It's so funny. Now, to everyone listening, uh, don't be, I don't know if anybody else did this when they're like, Rutania, I've never heard of that country. Is that country real? I'm going to Google it and see. Don't be like me and not pay attention to what the actual results are. Because if you Google Rutania, there are results for it. And there is a result that if you just glance, looks like it's a Wikipedia page, which means that like, oh, Rutania is real. Uh-oh. It's a commonwealth. Uh, <laughs> and, and it turns out that is actually, and for, so there was a portion of time when I didn't look more into it. It was like, oh, okay, it's not a country. It's just like a commonwealth or something. And they just took that name. Um, it's a commonwealth, the commonwealth of Rutania in a political simulation game <laughs> called uh, Partiocracy or Partiocracy, Partiocracy, I don't know how you pronounce it, but it's a political <laughs> simulation game where you get to play in made up political parties and it's made up for that. So no, Rutania is 100% fictional. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for following me on the journey that I went through with that. I'm glad you went on the journey because I just assumed it didn't exist, which probably wasn't a great move either because it very easily could have been like a small country that was part of the Soviet Union or something that I just never knew. But yeah. I I just assumed it never never was real. <laughs> it still isn't. You, you weren't wrong. <laughs> Now this one, this uh, this Jack, like it follows such a similar structure to so many of these other episodes, which we've sort of realized uh, is is kind of the default mode for this show, as opposed to you know the exceptions where Spider Man sort of like has two tries at getting it right with the villain or stopping the plot, and then the third time is able to like very quickly solve mm. the problem. So I'm curious, like as you got to the end of this episode. How did the resolution to this episode feel? Like, if that makes any sort of sense. Well, I, I think it escalated in a way I really enjoyed. Mostly because the thing that kind of... I wouldn't say makes it good, but the thing that kind of you know sent a spark going through my brain and got me excited about it was the fact that Spider-Man yeah. like starts off the episode invading an embassy and then ends the episode <laughs> by like boarding a plane during takeoff and ripping like the door off to get in um (laughs) obviously like no one you know gets sucked out like you really would in a (laughs) in this situation but um but yeah yeah it does kind of because they build up this um this cane that charles cameo has as being extremely overpowered Uh, Uh and then at the end it's kind of like it's taken out instantly uh with webs as I yeah, guess is is usual, <laughs> um, but also it's um it, it's a little strange because the um he like you said it's quite easy in the third fight, but in the second one I had no idea what Spider Man was doing because he breaks in again and he apprehends him, and then I was like I really thought I was like oh okay he's gonna unmask him at this point he's gonna do the Scooby Doo 
uh, thing. Yeah. And then he mm. just leaves. <laughs> and I was just like, oh. Yeah, that's right. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> they do the cool... I was I was so distracted by the, the relatively cool curtain thing they do. Mm. Where the curtain's like spinning around and every time it spins around he's like more restrained but you're mm. right if he's just restrained why wouldn't he just stick around and unmask him yeah <laughs> he just even willing, that. he willingly incriminates himself further <laughs> um also uh also I, I don't know if you guys caught when he pulls the uh, pulls the curtain down with his webs his webs seem to make hands that <laughs> grab it <Yes. laughs> of course which I is... know, it doesn't just stick to it they like literally like like uh incredible. constrict around uh chunks of the the curtain <laughs> it's incredible and and it, i think that's the same sequence uh you know when it, when his cane is being very op mm. that like spidey shoots like web balls at him and then uh like the prime minister just basically like li- kind of lightly taps it like a magic wand and makes them vanish like yeah. i don't <laughs> yeah like dang <laughs> This show should not do like shootout scenarios or like the the quick draw scenarios because they never they're never quick. Yeah. <laughs> they're yeah. always uh, very slow. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say though because we were talking about it, like earlier with like the the kind of plane sequence that it es- escalates to at the end, and I do feel like I think one of the reasons Doug you were sort of saying that it feels like this is one of the better better episodes at least like structurally to me it seems like is that it does feel like there is sort of a a steady escalation that feels kind of cinematic like i feel like i could see the movie sequence of Mm. this uh where you know spidey has to get up to a plane and rip the door off and stuff and have like a interior fight in there that's climactic like it feel even though Mm. you know obviously they're they're under limitations that can only pull it off but so much like it sort of feels that it's an escalation more than the show often does. Mm. I think that makes a lot of sense because I think a lot of times it's yeah. This is this feels more like escalation, even though the the climactic battle isn't as good as the previous. Like it does still feel more like escalation than just repeating a beat to to yeah. lengthen an episode because that's typically yeah. what it feels like. Is like swing number one miss, swing number two, same exact pitch miss, mm. um, and then resolve. This yeah, I, I, that's a really good point. Um, one thing I I don't know if you guys have any more to say about it, but I feel like we should talk about the uh, the guard and the dog scene. <laughs> sure, <laughs> we were saving yeah. the best uh, for later, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that scene that scene is very uh, very Looney Tunes. The uh, the, yep. the guard <laughs> the guard runs into a tree um, and effectively knocks himself out. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's great. <laughs> and the do- dog gets a web muzzle as well <laughs> that's yeah. another one of those moments where the web just sort of like has a mind of its own uh wrapping around that dog's muzzle <laughs> <laughs> so silly it's so silly yeah i love it it's so it's so weird because like i don't know what it is about it that makes that sequence feel so weird i guess it's because spider-man up against like just a regular guard and a dog like just the 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 sort of how mundane it kind of is mm. and that he still has to put up a fight like i mean it's not hard for him but also it's well it he, he does still have to do stuff you know it's just sort of weird in a weird way it feels like the kind of <laughs> I, this might be the most one of the more bizarre things i've ever said but um it kind of feels like something that would happen if i was uh spider-man in that <laughs> in that like you 
it's not a good plan. It's kind of like, oh, I've got to get out of here and then running away and oh no, there's a guard and a dog after me. I better climb up this tree. <laughs> sort yeah. of like, it's this improvised, it's not a Spider-Man who knows what he's doing. <laughs> yeah. I think you're right though. I mean, we've had different guests compare this show to different other cartoons that they, they grew up watching that were older. Like, Looney Tunes or Scooby-Doo is one that's come up a few times or just general like Hanna-Barbera style cartoons. And I think this sequence is probably one of the best examples of it because it is sort of mundane. It is a little bit uh, loonier than like a typical Spider-Man fight or plan. <laughs> it almost feels like a situation like Bugs Bunny might find himself in running away mm. from like some someone he's trying to trick. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, the fact that he runs up a tree as opposed to like swinging away or doing Spider-Man things you know that paired with the way that they run in this sequence is very sort of scooby-doo or looney tunes like uh mm. yeah i think this is this is a perfect spot to be like yeah it kind of fits in with uh with other cartoons of the era and i think yeah. the bugs bunny comparison is really is really good because i i'm in love with the trope name comic trickster recently <laughs> and that's definitely what spider-man feels like in these episodes you know like you're saying how uh jj doesn't actually do anything wrong but like mm -hmm. in the story we know that he's not doing it for the right reasons we know he's uh egotistical and that he's doing it just for a statue of himself so spider-man is gonna punish him for that and uh, he's going to do it by pranking him, even though maybe for Spider-Man in the story, it doesn't necessarily make sense. But we get to have the satisfaction of seeing uh, JJ <laughs> upset after acting like, yeah. you know, a jerk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you heard it. Spider-Man equals Bugs Bunny. <laughs> the karmic trickster. That's so for real, though. I love that. <laughs> Another scene, this isn't, I don't remember if this is like before or after that guard scene, but uh, when like there's the armored truck that's driving through that Spidey is trying to stop and he stops it by ripping two entire full grown trees out of the ground <laughs> to stop it. <laughs> he didn't bring the right webbing. He was supposed to bring the train webbing. Yeah, uh, right. brought something more elastic, you know? Come on, man. <laughs> Too many webbings to keep track of. That that is another point as well, like where it at this point he's already like no one knows about the impersonation at this point, so this is Spider Man like effectively robbing an armored truck for yeah. anyone who's yeah. like looking on. For real. I mean everything he's doing in this episode makes him look like such a bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> He's he's not doing much different than like what it appeared that Doctor Magneto uh, Magneto was doing in the last segment. Just lots of property damage, <laughs> yeah. like lots of also into places. <laughs> also, I I feel like at the if if Spider Man was to actually you know be taken to court or something at the end of this episode, it's like okay, well this guy was impersonating the prime minister but you still broke quite a lot of laws <laughs> yeah. yes. Yeah. yes yes international ones no less <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah man. yeah he's gonna get off way easy for this <laughs> one thing about this episode is you know i mentioned that it felt like it had gone by really fast because i felt like it was resolved really quickly but i think part of that is when I was watching it the second time, I noticed just how many times they show 
Spider-Man wall crawling in this segment of the episode. Mm. And even though it's, you know, it's like objectively not amazing or anything or great, especially compared to what we've seen since. Uh, but it was kind of cool to have an episode where they focused a lot more on wall crawling than web swinging. Um, it just felt like different than a lot of the episodes we've watched because normally we're used to seeing him, you know, web swinging across the like colorful, you, you know, New York background. Yeah. <laughs> it's all pretty smooth. You know, it's as smooth as I think they could get it. Yeah, I think um, that's something which I actually liked about uh, both episodes. Being someone who hasn't watched a lot of the 67 cartoon is, I mean, in the movies now, you would have, I guess, bigger is better in terms of, like, swinging and flipping and dodging things. Whereas there's something about just focusing on, like, one web line and then swinging or climbing up one building that is tall. Um, and Mm -hmm. the smallness of it actually kind of works, I think quite well. Maybe it gets repetitive once you're like, uh, what, uh, (laughs) 10, 10, 12 episodes in or something, but, um, sure. It is, there's something I appreciate about it too. No, it's cool because it is smaller scale. And when you do something like, the second segment does where it's a lot of wall crawling specifically it's the more stealthy side of spider-man um which is like you said like cinematic is typically like bigger and and more flashy and you know stealth spider-man is (laughs) the opposite of that so yeah it's something it's really something really quaint about it that's that feels like kind of comfortable like i I like that like that makes it i think adds to sort of the delightful feel that this show has even when it's kind of at its worst and I, I don't know, like, I, I think that the sort of recycled footage that they usually use with, with it, like, I don't, I think it still works for me pretty well. Like, I feel like at this point, you know, being halfway through this first season, I'm not tired of it yet. I think I sort of invite it. Like, maybe it's sort of clicking that thing in your kid brain mm. where you enjoy kind of watching the same thing over and over again. It's like comforting. Um, yeah, it's really comforting. Like, that's, I mean, that's this whole show in a nutshell, I feel like. Comforting and delightful most of the time. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's interesting. That single strand swinging that you mentioned, Jack, like it, it really reminds me, um, and it, it's reminded a couple of our previous guests too of like old Spider-Man video games, right. where you know it might be like a, a 2D side-scrolling mm. Spider-Man game where you just are swinging with just one strand across the screen, you know? Mm. Yeah, <laughs> and it feels yeah, nice. Definitely. <laughs> one of the earlier notes that I had that's right off the bat from the top of this episode that I forgot to mention earlier is like. When the initial switcheroo happens with the prime minister and and cameo and Spider-Man witnesses it, um, tries to fight him and then Spider-Man gets kind of caught and then framed for it. Where did the original prime minister go? Because he was just tied up. I think Spidey gets dosed with gas. So I don't know how long it was between the moment when Spidey gets like knocked out versus, you know, when, when all this happens. But like. I just don't, where, do, where is this prime minister like stowed like right off the bat in his own home and then continually like transported places to, I don't know. I just have a lot of questions about that. I guess he was just <laughs> in that trunk the whole time. I guess so. That's horrible. <laughs> is this like a trunk at the end of his bed or something? Like, yeah, I guess he was just there. We don't get any confirmation that the real prime minister is alive at any point. <laughs> yeah. Th- th- yeah. You you guys, this is why I'm saying I was beginning to worry that like <laughs> the the switcheroo wasn't real, like and that right. he was actually attacking the prime minister. I was like mm-hmm. so I was wor- I was like where did the other guy go? There's only one. Right. We're only seeing one. <laughs> like did yeah. they resolve it and th- this is the real one? Like who is this? 
<laughs> yeah. yeah, it's so strange. And, you know, I mean, it's a kid's show and everything, but it is sort of bizarre that he just doesn't kill the original prime minister. <laughs> like, I think that that, it, that should have been part of your plan. I guess he just wants to simply rob an entire uh, nation, not murder someone, right. which I give him a little bit of credit for, but still. <laughs> I don't know. He's pretty deep into it. He's an actor pulling off an international heist. He may as well just kill the guy and assume the identity. Yeah. <laughs> There's no going yeah. back. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, I don't know at what point they land. the plane lands in Rutania, and then he says, Hi, I'm just going to go take this gold over here. You guys don't need to come with me. I'm just going to take this. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You'd have to switcheroo all over again. Huh. Yeah, I am curious. Like, how how would this plan have gone if everything worked out in his favor just fine? Still would have been a lot to do after this. Like, this only seems like the act two of a five-act plan, but (laughs) I don't know. The only other note that I had is uh, there's a chemistry, one of the many chemistry, uh, you know, scenes in this show. But in this case, like Peter's you know, pouring, pouring his chemicals back and forth, not wearing any gloves while yeah. these chemicals are boiling over onto his fingers. That <laughs> yeah. seems like a like a misstep, buddy. <laughs> just right onto his hand. Even if that's just web fluid, he just poured like concentrated web fluid all over his hand. <laughs> yeah. Just seems like a mistake. Yeah, don't like that. <laughs> That's all I got. Anybody else have any other any other thoughts on this segment? I suppose like only to say that I really enjoyed it. Uh more mm-hmm. so than the first uh segment. It was just like the kind of thing that like I expected from uh from this show and it was just like a lot of fun to watch. It was very like absurd. It was uh yeah, and like you said like it it did build up. It did feel more cinematic at the end. So it was still like an interesting watch, you know. I'm 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 surprised I enjoyed it so much, considering the fact that after having Doctor Magneto in the first segment, and then the second one, I was like, well, at least we're gonna get Chameleon here, and then it's <laughs> and then it's uh, Charles Cameo, and then I thought, did and I was like, I don't know that too much about the show, but I'm just like, did I get very unlucky on the episodes I guested on at that? <laughs> They're just like these terrible like villains made up for the show or is this it every week no 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 degree unluckier than anybody else i would say (laughs) there are a couple folks who've gotten lucky in that like they got like the mysterio episode but other than that like it's all a bunch of created for this show uh uh strangely powered villains that you never see again or like weird kind of cookie cutters of other villains that you're not sure why they didn't use so no, it's yeah. pretty par for the course. <laughs> yeah, there's a sprinkling of classic villains, but I, from my understanding, honestly, it's like there's a few of them in the first season and then they just kind of disappear. And like the, the majority <laughs> of the show after that is all just wacky, kooky, made up stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> just great. Well, I, I just have a few few sort of closing things on this seg uh, on this segment. I have a fun production thing. This is another one from the Spidey sixty seven book. I sort of like the uh, the like the model sheet um, that they have in that book that shows their original like sort of um, drawings of uh, Charles Cameo and the Prime Minister uh, and the Prime Minister costume or makeup that he's wearing or whatever. What I think is sort of interesting that the book points out is that apparently like they were specifically like measuring the head shape and everything of the two to compare them when they were originally designing it to like make sure that cameos face uh would match up with the prime minister like as if he had makeup on which seems like 
way more thought to be put into it than is necessary yeah. um, and also like not conveyed on the screen at all so um, yeah but it's kind of cool that they like were thinking that deeply into it at least at first and the design of cameo is way different too originally yeah that's what's so strange is i feel like the design of cameo that we actually see in the show is more similar to the prime minister's face than the one that they were planning yeah um, maybe because what they were planning might have been more difficult to pull off or something but surprised they even went through that much work especially since you know it is kind of a scooby-doo scenario where he's going to be unmasked anyway yeah uh, it's I like guess it's his mask mystery. like crumbles though so i guess it is meant more to be like extensive makeup than it is like a rubber mask mm. yeah the other the other note that's on this model sheet that i thought was kind of fun is that cameo is described as an alec guinness type oh. which is an odd poll, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I suppose uh, I can't remember the name of it. I can think of the one, um, the one movie where uh, Alec Guinness plays like five different people. Huh? Uh, I called? guess that maybe that's what they were thinking of. Yeah, but the, that's about it. Because, um, but at the same time, like you said, I uh, as far as cameos design, like I can't remember what he looks like right now. Um, yeah, he's just a generic looking dude. Yeah, and also it's not <laughs> someone that we were introduced to at any point before the unmasking either. So it's just like, hey, hey, it's this guy. <laughs> Which is another thing that makes the choice to not use chameleon even weirder. Because if you never yeah. introduced the chameleon before, you could at least hope, like, well, maybe there are people watching who read the comics who would like get the significance. But yeah, no, they don't. There's not like a movie poster advertising like the new Charles cameo flick mm. or anything. Like, there's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> no reference to him at all yeah, until if, he is unmasked. Yeah, if this were like an Amazing Friends episode, the fr- they would have been like excited to go out that night to see the new Charles cameo flick or something. Mm. Yeah, so strange. Odd choice. <laughs> <laughs> well, f- uh, some faces of the episode. I'm not. I'm not like crazy, right? When Spidey opens his chest and his spider suit, its spider suit is in there in a pile, like. I see a face, like I'll see a little nose between his eyes and a little like side, like a little like kind of disappointed looking like mouth line. It looks like his suit has, has its own face. Yeah, I see it. I see it too. <laughs> You're not yeah. crazy. Good. It's not just me. I think it's very cute and weird yeah. and silly. The suit was alive <laughs> long before we thought it was. Yeah. <laughs> and it just wanted to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the other face I pulled is... Of course, if we're kind of ending our run of, of the 67 show for a little while, I've got to get one last Jameson face because he always makes the best faces. And I just really love his uh, his very pleased face. I think it's when he's thinking about having a statue made of him or whatever, or, <laughs> I don't know, impre- having children sing his name, uh, whatever he's talking about. Um, and I love his little pleased face. I loved his I love his hand that is uh, colored differently than the rest of his skin. <laughs> I don't know if I've never noticed it before, but the color matching between faces and hands in these two segments is so bad <laughs> for everyone. And I don't know if that's standard or if I just noticed it this time, but goodness, it stands out. <laughs> <sighs> but yeah, that's all I got. Um, Jack, thanks so much for joining us with this. You're going to you're going to continue to uh you're just going to binge this whole show now that you've seen these two episodes <laughs> and deeply in love with it. <laughs> I, I I can imagine this is the kind of show which like I'd love to d- jump into here and there, but like mm-hmm. b- binge watching it sounds like a terrible idea. <laughs> you know, I think I I don't think you're off base either because I don't know, I certainly didn't really have any expectations going into this. Um I don't know how much expectation or familiarity with structure and storytelling Derek had necessarily but like 
as we've watched them, we realize like there is a pretty standard structure. So it's like you're it's not a great binge show. I would I would co-sign that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it is a fun and like drop in show, I agree. I am very glad though that I got to um like slip in um um f- before you guys took a break from the show though, because yeah, any, I I would love I'd love the idea of talking about this show and like getting a chance to watch it. So yeah, I'm glad you yeah. guys had me on for it. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Well, if listeners would like to hear you talk about another Spider-Man <laughs> show, <laughs> where can they find you and everything you're working on? Sure, um, that nice Spider-Man show. We're on all the podcasty places, so um, we're we're actually just wrapping up season three of uh, Spider-Man the animated series. And uh, so our season three review will be out soon, and uh, which has been a very good season. Uh, it's been my favorite so far. The idea of our show is that we're going through, we haven't watched it since we were kids. Mm-hmm. So it's that mix of like what we remember, plus, you know, I guess like in uh, this show, like being adults and looking back and being like, some of this is kind of messed up. <laughs> yeah Um, (laughs) that's that's my position uh, as we watched nine like the 90s show like i did watch it growing up but i hadn't done any sort of like real rewatch of it so Mm. i get that for sure yeah and so so yeah we're going through that and then um our season is done we're probably going to do some bonus episodes or something soon and of course like we we have a patreon as well patreon.com slash that 90s sm show uh where we do some bonus stuff where it's like stuff like uh superhero movie reviews and we did we've started this whole x-men retrospective where we're going Ooh. through all the x-men movies which has been very interesting because obviously that's like very much at the start of the superhero boom mm-hmm. right and uh and uh you know sort of trading off into uh some not great movies <laughs> um oh we also did a full um uh, blade retrospective on uh which Ooh, um, nice. yeah very, nice. v- very much like my uh way of reading comics uh we went way too far with it um because uh <laughs> we started off just doing the movies and then we thought well let's check out some of the other stuff and then we ended up watching the blade anime also oh, wow. the blade live action series which i don't know if you guys have heard of I knew that it, I knew it existed when it came out, but I I've never watched a single episode of it, and I I've never heard if it was actually like any good or not. Oh, so I I, I, I envy that. you in having not watched it. Um, oh. <laughs> oh no, uh, that's not good. Uh, our episode on um, I think our episode on Blade the series is very funny, but it's not worth a watch. I mean, it's very much oh, like a, a box set that is uh, hidden in a cupboard in my flat now. Um, it's, <laughs> it's such a bummer uh, yeah it's it's not it's not great um, but uh also weirdly enough happens that like, it's set in the same universe as the movies but not with wesley oh. snipes sure so you got uh kirk sticky fingers jones as blade <laughs> Um, (laughs) and uh yeah so uh that's not great but our episode on is pretty good (laughs) but yeah so you can check out our patreon and uh the podcast and then obviously uh uh new context spider-man on twitter as well and yeah that's about it for me nice 
Well, thanks again to Jack for joining us on this 67 episode. And speaking of Patreon, as <laughs> long as you're over there, why don't you check out ours at patreon.com slash wallopingwebsnappers for all sorts of goodies and thank you content from us for supporting the show. And of course, check out our Discord. Um, it's new and there should be a link in the show notes. If for some reason you can't find that link, just let us know. Uh, we're trying to kick up some conversation over there as well. Of course, you can find Derek and me all over the place on the internet. Derek, where can people find you and the things you are working on? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale, and you can find me on YouTube under my video essay show, Second Chance, which looks at bad or divisive media, but from a positive lens. What about you, Doug? You can find me on Twitter at IckyBooley, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. You can also find me on another podcast here on the 4-Eyed Radio Network called Victory Road. It's a Pokemon podcast where I get together with my friends and talk about Pokemon just as we feel like it. And if you like books and video games, you can listen to me over on Novel Gaming, where my friends Katie and Vicky and I get together and catch up on all the media we've been consuming lately if you'd like more stuff from derek and me you can check out our monthly podcast called falling with style an ongoing pixar movie marathon where we watch every pixar film chronologically our episode on brave is out next week wherever you get your podcast so check that out of course visit us on our website at wallopingwebsnappers.com for a full archive of everything derek and i are working on together and follow walloping web snappers on twitter instagram and facebook at walloping web pod or email the podcast at walloping web snappers podcast at gmail.com as always please rate review and subscribe on all podcast platforms because if you like what we're doing somebody else will too and those ratings and reviews make our show so much easier to find next week we revisit the very first arc of the spectacular Spider-Man with survival of the fittest, interactions, and natural selection. It's going to be spectacular. It is. See you then. My spider sense tells me that a miss is as good as a mile. Don't miss your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man in action next week. Bye.